Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our Sunday sermon series, Christmas at the Movies. This series will highlight biblical truths from classic Christmas movies, such as Elf and Miracle on 34th Street. It's a fun way of revealing the true meaning of Christmas. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. You can be seated. We appreciate all of you this morning and your giving generosity. What a wonderful presence of the Lord. We welcome you here to the house of God here at Praise Chapel. Turn to someone and tell them you're in the right place today. You are in the right place. I believe that. And uh, we welcome all of you here. We're glad you're here, and uh, we're going to have a wonderful time this morning. Uh, I'm going to be ministering out of Luke chapter 19, verse 10, or actually, I'm going to use that verse of Scripture, but I'll actually be reading Luke chapter 15 and more be ministering out of there. And we started a new series, <clears throat> excuse me, last week called Christmas at the Movies. And the reason why we called it this is what we're doing this month is we're taking some of the classic movies, Christmas movies, some of the popular Christmas movies, and what we're doing is we're gathering and we're gleaning uh, some of the ideals and comparing them to God's Word and basically using them as an analogy to the original Christmas and to see how some of these themes in these movies uh, find their way to the Word of God. Believe it or not, a lot of the themes in these classical movies uh, have a, a meaning or have a theme into God's Word. And so last week I talked about Miracle on 34th Street. And of course, uh, I said the miracle is not on 34th Street, but the miracle can be on your street. The miracle can be on your, in your life, in your heart, in your family, um, wherever you're at today. And so uh, this morning I'm going to do a different movie, kind of a funny movie. Well, it is a really funny movie. It's called Elf. How many ever seen Elf before? So we're going to show you a little preview of Elf. So why don't you go ahead and show that? All right. <laughs> I just can't. Every time I watch it, Santa. <laughs> you know, boy, it's, it's, it's something else. But that movie is a classic movie, believe it or not. And uh, if you don't know the movie, I'm going to give you a little bit of a movie spoiler here. Uh, as a toddler, he's in an orphanage, and he crawls into Santa's bag of toys and finds himself back into the North Pole or, uh, and... Uh, He's raised by Papa Elf, whoever that is, and, and uh, he discovers as an adult that he's really not an elf. He finds out that he's a human and that he has actually his real father lives in New York, and so he's going to New York because uh, uh, to find his dad, connect with his dad, and also tell him that Santa's real. And there's a lot of things that we can glean out of this movie and say that, you know, uh, even as a Christian, we're letting people know that Jesus is real. We could do all that. And so that's an awesome theme there. But at the same time, what I really want to emphasize in this message is that Elf, who is, his name is Buddy in the movie, is lost. He's lost. We find that he's lost in an orphanage. He doesn't have any identity, doesn't know who his father is. And, of course, he ends up in the North Pole. And uh, he needs to find his way home. He needs to find out who he really is and what his purpose in life is. So he begins to start his journey back home because he is lost. Now, I don't know about you, but has anybody ever gotten lost before? Uh, before GPS, 
a lot of people used to get lost. And uh, they, we used to have map books. I don't know if you guys even know what that means, but we had the Thomas Guide. And, and uh, one time I actually drove a truck, and I, I knew page 34 was the city of L.A. and, and 44 and all that. I knew the, I knew the pages. I can, I can memorize a lot of the pages and tell you where things were at because I had to memorize that book. Now we have GPS. You don't have to get lost anymore. And uh, years ago when I was really small, I remember I, I shared the story uh, that uh, I was probably, I don't know, maybe six, seven years old. My mom and I and my aunt and my uncle, we went to, they went to go see a movie. And before the movie, they would have a singer. And they had Vicente Fernandez. He was singing. And uh, they had him there. And so we got there with a long line. We got in and we watched. Uh, we were sitting in the back. And I remember as we were exiting that my mom and my aunt saw that the new crowd was coming in. And they realized we could just jump in that line and we'll get up in the front. Well, all this discussion is happening, and they're talking to my uncle, saying, hey, we're going to stay, you go, and this and that. And I'm a kid. I, they, they just forgot about me because I'm in the middle. And, ma, and my mom and my aunt get in that line. They get in the theater. My uncle, I guess I was supposed to go with my uncle. I, my uncle gets lost in the crowd, and I'm, I'm lost. I'm, I'm there in the lobby. By the time the whole thing clears out, I'm by myself in this lobby, and I'm completely lost. And, I, you know, I have to call home, all these different things. And the feeling of being lost, the feeling of, man, I need to get home. I, you know, I tried to walk in the theater, but it was all dark. And I'm just going, man, I, I'm lost. Found a policeman said, I'm lost. And the story goes on. But if you've ever lost something, uh, you really want to find it. How many have ever lost luggage? Anybody ever lost some luggage? Uh, you've been flying somewhere and you lost luggage. They say that, uh, I think it was the year before last, they lost 349,000 uh, luggages or luggage. And that's really down from 2004 where it was 2.4 million pieces of luggage was lost. Now, a lot of the airlines are investing in tracking your luggage. So you can actually have an app and you can see where your luggage is going, where it's like a GPS on your luggage. And uh, so now a lot of them, they said it's very... Very seldom now are people losing their luggage because they've actually updated all of their uh, things to be able to track it down. But if you ever lost something, you go through the trouble of trying to find something. How many have ever lost some keys? Man, and you're, you're trying to, you know, you're harassing your little kid there, your five-year-old, and interrogating them under the red light. Where'd you put the keys? Uh, you know, all of these different things. And uh, so it happens, you know, people, uh, I've, I've had co-workers before say, my kid lost my keys and I'm trying to look for them. And I said, oh, that's a lame excuse and, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dock you. No, that's not true. But anyway, as we look into this Christmas year or the purpose behind Christmas, and again, I, I love the season, but many times we forget what the real reason, what's the purpose behind Christmas. And we have to really be honest when we look in the Word of God. Christmas is more than Jesus coming as a baby. Christmas is more than him being born in a manger. In, in fact, he actually, Jesus grows to be a man, and we know that. And, and uh, the Bible says that he uh, walks the earth, and then he dies on the cross for you and I. And the Bible says this in Luke chapter 19, verse number 10. It says this, and I'm going to read the scripture. It says, I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. I'm going to read it again. I've come to seek... And to save those who are lost. So I'm going to pray before 
I even begin this message. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that we were once lost, but now we've been found. And Father, it's been by your grace, your love, that you found us. And Lord, I pray that you would open every heart and every mind in this room right now and remove every distraction because there's so many things that are pulling on us, God, and so many things that are on our mind. But help us to focus on the word of God. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. I pray today, God, that your people would hear the voice behind the voice. And Lord, every word that I speak, in Jesus' name, and the people said, Amen. Amen. So again, Jesus just didn't come to be a baby, but he came to grow and live this life, die on the cross and resurrect again. And that's why he said, I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. Now, if you don't understand that, you, know, you might as well just put away all the Christmas lights. You might as well put away all the special meals because really that is a celebration of why Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. And believe it or not, this morning, all of us have been lost at one time or another. But our biggest uh, reason why we're lost is because most uh, are spiritually lost. In fact, Jesus addresses the issue of being lost and found. And there is a chapter in Luke chapter 15 where many refer to this chapter as the lost and found chapter. Say lost and found. And so most of us are familiar with lost and found. If you lose something, you go to the lost and found and, and you get it and you, uh, you, you discover it or you find it there. And really, this is where this chapter is put. Jesus talks about the lost and found. And there are various different places uh, that the word lost is listed there in, in chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, and found. And it talks about, it gives us three stories, three different stories. The lost sheep, the lost coin. And then the lost son. Uh, the shepherd in the lost sheep uh, represents God. The woman with the lost coin represents God. The father who loses his son represents God. And in the story, the sheep and the coin and the younger, and the, and the younger son represents you and me. And so first of all, I'm going to kind of paraphrase so we won't have to read the whole chapter. I'm going to paraphrase the story of the lost sheep. Because the Bible says that there is this shepherd who has 100 sheep. And if you know a shepherd, they want to take care of their sheep. They guide their sheep. They want to protect their sheep. And so uh, the Bible says that they're, they're, the sheep are, are out there and they're grazing and they're doing sheepy things, whatever those things are. Whether they're walking through the mud or, or you know, rolling in the sun, having a great time. And the scripture tells us one of the sheep kind of wanders off and wandering to greener pastures, you know, and, and looking for another place. How many know we're always thinking that grass is greener on the other side? And you'll find out that that's astroturf. It's not even real. And we're looking for the grass on the other side, but it's astroturf. And so this sheep, for some reason, wanders off. And, uh, and so when the Bible said the shepherd begins to count the sheep, he brings them into the pen, uh, the sheep pen, not the penitentiary, okay? The sheep pen, he brings them into the sheep pen, and as he brings them in, uh, uh, he begins to count sheep before he goes to bed. One sheep, two sheep, finally gets up to 97, 98, 99, and then notices, realizes, wait a minute, there's one missing. And so the scripture says, the one shepherd says, you know what? I have the 99 saved sheep in the pen. They're protected. 
I'm going to go out and find the lost sheep. And he said, I'm going to look for that lost sheep. And he goes through the night looking for the lost sheep in the valley, over the hills. He's looking for the lost sheep. And finally, when he finds the lost sheep, most shepherds, when they find a lost sheep, they put that sheep over their shoulders and they take that sheep home because they want to make sure that that sheep goes home. It's carried by the shepherd. Are you with me? And basically, that's what that song we sang, he leaves the 99 to go after the one. It's the reckless love of God. It really is. It's the love of God that is beyond understanding. The second story is the story of the lost coin. And there's this woman who has 10 valuable coins, and somehow one of the coins gets misplaced. And she begins to count her coins and realizes, wait a minute, one of the coins is missing. And she begins to look for that coin and, and wonder what happened to that coin. And maybe it got lost, you know, between the, the, the cushions and the sofa. Maybe uh, it got lost somewhere. So she turned the house upside down. How many have lost them? You turn the house upside down. You're saying, man, I got to find the keys. I got to find my wedding ring. I, you go in the coat. You go in the jackets. You go in the hamper. You know what I'm talking about. You go everywhere. You go in the kids' toys. Somehow they got it. And so you're sweeping, and she's relentless in looking for this coin. And the Bible says she eventually finds the coin, the one valuable coin that she was looking for, and she rejoices, and she lets all her friends know that I found the coin. She'd get the picture of herself on Facebook and Instagram and said, look, at, got the coin right here. I found it. And so everybody's celebrating. Everybody's excited. And then, of course, of course, the last story is the story of the lost son. You can go home and read it in Luke chapter 15. It's called the prodigal son. Prodigal means extravagantly wasteful. In other words, he wastes what he has. And here Jesus talks about a man who has two sons, and he loved them very much, and the younger son is kind of rebellious. The younger son has this independent mind. He high, he's high-spirited, and he's kind of an independent guy. I don't know, how, don't raise your hand, but how many, ki- how many of you have kids like that? How many of you, when you were teenagers, you were like that? How many are like that? No, don't raise your hand now, but you, you, you understand what I'm talking about. So this one younger kid comes to his dad, and he says, Dad, you know, I'm, I'm a little bored here. I don't like living under your roofs. Uh, I want to go and do my own thing. So I need half of my family inheritance that is coming my way because it looks like you're staying healthy. You're not going to die for a while. I need my money right now. And so uh, the Bible says that the dad gives his son uh, half of the inheritance. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have given him nothing, man. <laughs> but he gives them half of his inheritance, and he takes off to Las Vegas. I made that up. But he actually goes to Jerusalem, sunset in Jerusalem, the sunset strip there. Anyway, uh, the, the, the Bible does say, though, that he wastes his life. He wastes the money on women, on drinking. He's doing everything. It's just one big party. And he wastes all of his money doing that. And, you know, how many know your friends are around when you got money? Your friends are around when you got something. The minute you lose it all, no friends around. You're being unfriended, right? All of a sudden, nobody wants to hang out with you anymore. And so he ends up uh, with nothing. I mean, he's got a big tattoo, rebel, rebel right here and the whole thing. And, uh, but he's broke 
He's busted and disgusted. He's got nothing. His, his fair-weather friends have left him. And the Bible literally describes that he's hungry and that he finds a job on a pig farm uh, feeding the pigs pig slop. And the scripture actually said that he's so hungry that he even wants to eat the pig slop. I mean, this is how bad he is. And, and so he gets to that point where all of a sudden he's feeding these pigs and all of a sudden he has an aha moment. You know what I'm talking about? Like, wait a minute. How could I be here feeding these pigs when I know my dad, my father at home, has servants that live better than I'm living right now? And even the servants eat better than I'm eating and have it better off. I, I know what I'm going to do. If you read the scripture, he says, I'm going to go back to my dad and I'm going to tell him I've disobeyed you. I've been arrogant. I've been rebellious. I blew all your money. I'm a failure. I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. And basically, just hire me as one of your servants. And so he goes back. He gets humbled. How many know you get humbled real quick when you got nothing? And so he goes back. He says, you know what? Uh, as he, he's making his way back. says, I'm going to tell him, just hire me. I'll just, I'll just be one of your workers. And the Bible says somehow the father must have known he was coming because the father was waiting for him. And he's waiting for his son, and he sees his son afar off, if you read the story. And he runs to his son. Now, you got to remember, his son had been feeding pigs. I mean, he's, he, he's got the, the pig stench. I don't know if you guys have ever been, been, been by Farmer John over there on Soto and Bandini. I mean, it stinks pretty bad. This guy's got pig slop on him, man. And the Bible says that the father runs to him. And you got to remember, if you're a Jewish kid, you're not even supposed to be around pigs. But yet the father runs to him. He hugs him, embraces him. Again, the reckless love of God. And he said, put a robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. That was the signet ring. That was an open credit line. He said, put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. And he said, for my son was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive again. I mean, that is a powerful illustration of the love of God. And he said, let's cut the fattest calf. Not, not media, okay, but a calf. Uh, we're going to have barbecue ribs. And we're going to have carne asada. And filet mignon. I mean, everything. It was, it was, it was, so what I want you to understand, there's a common denominator in the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. The common den denominator is this, that it all ended the same in celebration and rejoicing. The fact that something was lost, but now it's been found. It all ended in the same way with the same common denominator. And that really is Christmas uh, for you and I. It's a giant celebration of how much God loves you and I and how much God desires to reconnect with us no matter what we've done. I said no matter what we've done. And so that's why Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Because spiritually... When we're lost, that means we've been separated from God. It means we've been disconnected. It means we're out of alignment. It means we need to get connected again. In other words, when you pray, when you're lost spiritually, you say, man, it feels like God is a million miles away. He is, 
when you're disconnected. He is when you're out of alignment. But when you get connected, he's right there. And what I want to help us with today is how can we get back? How can we be found? How can we be saved? How can we reconnect our lives with God? Now, going back to the movie, of course, again, Elf is lost. He's been disconnected from his dad, and he needs to get connected with him again. He's been in an orphanage. He's been in a North Pole. He's completely been lost. He doesn't know his identity, and he needs to be found. So one of the first things that we lose when we're, when we're lost is we lose our sense of direction. When we are lost, we have no direction. We're, wa- we're wandering. Are you hearing me? We're wandering. This is why the story of the sheep being lost is really good because sheep just kind of wander off. It's kind of their nature. In fact, they say that if a sheep kind of wanders, uh, he'll just keep going and going and, and not even pay attention to where he's going to the fact that he may just keep eating grass all the way to the cliff and just fall over. Did you know that? In fact, this is a true story. You can look it up. Don't look it up now. I know you, everybody's going to Google it. You don't have to do it now. But, but the true story, in 2005, there was these shepherds in Turkey, and sheep are worth a lot of money because of what they're able to supply a lot of the, of the farmers there and, and, uh, from, the, from the wool. But they said that uh, there, were, there were some sheep that plunged to their death while the shepherds looked on. They said 400 sheep fell to their deaths in a ravine, but, the, but, but broke the fall of another 1,100 animals who survived. It says shepherds from a nearby village neglected the flock while they were eating breakfast. Now, could you imagine you're eating breakfast, and they left the sheep to kind of roam on their own, and one sheep wandered off the cliff, and 1,400 others followed. Can you picture it? 1,500 sheep walking off the cliff one after another, and you're eating breakfast. (laughs) Soon they were piled. This is a true story. They were piled so deep that the ones at the bottom were crushed to death, and the ones on top were lying like on a big downy soft pillow. It's true. (laughs) It sounds absurd, but it's true. And the 400 softened the blow for the 1,100. So instead of losing all 1,500, they only lost 400, but they still lost. But this is how dumb sheep are. Uh, uh, sheep, they just have no natural way of protecting themselves. They wander away by nature. How many have a, a child or a kid that just kind of wanders off no matter where you go? You can go camping, all of a sudden he's, he's, he's like, where'd he go? You can go to the mall, like, what happened to him? You go down to somebody's house, like, where did he go? I mean, he just kind of wants, not maliciously, not purposely, he just gets interested in something, and before you know it, your kid's like, gone, man. Like, what happened? What happened to that guy? And, and basically, that's how a sheep are. They kind of get lost. In fact, Jesus said, we're like sheep. Do you realize, like, sheep are dumb animals? And the Bible says we're like sheep. Look at what it says. I'm, I'm being honest. Isaiah 53, 6 says, all of us have strayed away just like lost sheep. We have all left God's path to follow our own ways. So every time you stop following God's path and you start following your own path, 
you stop following God's plan, you start following your own plan, you're going to get lost and you're going to lose direction. The second thing is when we get lost, we move away from God's protection. See, we don't realize that we need God's protection over our life. But when we wander away, when we go our own way, we lose his protection over our life. We don't even realize it, but we, we do. Uh, and, and again, it's like sheep. Sheep don't have any sharp teeth. They don't have any claws. Uh, uh, they're very vulnerable. In other words, predatory, predatorial animals like uh, wolves and coyotes and jackals, man, they can just, they'll, they'll, they'll devour sheep because they have no sense of protection. Uh, Zechariah 10, 2 says, my people are wandering like lost sheep without a shepherd to protect them and to guide them. This is why we get stressed out. And this is why we get so worried. Because you're dependent on you. And not dependent on God. See a lot of people this morning. You're living your life without protection. You're living your life on your own. And guess what? You're always going to be vulnerable. Anxiety will swallow you up. Problems will swallow you up. Issues in life will swallow you up. You have no protection. You're, you're depending on yourself to try to make it through life. You're, you don't have a shepherd that's guiding you, that's protecting you. You're getting anxious about things. You're, it's depending upon yourself, and you're like a sheep without a shepherd. This is why the Bible says in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. We need a shepherd. We need someone that will protect us and will guide us. The third thing is when we lose or when we're lost, we lose our potential. Say potential. You have so much potential, you don't even realize it. There's more giftings in you, talents in you, more abilities in you than you could ever even imagine. This is what the story of the lost coin is about. It's about something that's so valuable. Now, if I held up a coin, let me see if I have a coin on me some here. I think I had one. I thought I had one. Maybe somebody stole it. <laughs> actually, I have a coin. See that? So anyway, I actually meant to bring a coin that I have. I have a, a bag full of coins, some old coins, and some of them are valuable. Actually, I found one yesterday with a silver, it's not a silver dollar, it's a silver half dollar. And a silver 50 cents piece and with John Kennedy, but it's silver. You can look at it. You can see how it's silver. And I meant to bring it, but let's just act like this is a silver coin, okay? So let's just say, let's just say this is a silver dollar. And let's just say I had 10,000 of these silver dollars. That would be a lot of money because a silver dollar today is worth more than just a dollar. So they say a lot of these silver dollars are worth four or five dollars. Some of them are worth even more depending on how old it is. And so if I can accumulate enough of these coins, if they were silver dollars, I can tell you I could buy a lot of things with those coins because these coins have a lot of potential. I could feed a family. I could build a house. I could provide a uh, I can invest it in, in property. I can invest it in somebody, uh, in entertainment. I can buy things with this. I can buy a car. And so, but it has no potential. Listen to me. This coin has no potential if it's lost. Are you hearing me? If it's lost, it still has its worth. It's still worth. It still has its worthwhile, I should say, but it's wasted. Are you with me? It has potential that is wasted. It has value, but because it's lost, it's being wasted. 
When I was looking at this movie, Elf, I was thinking that, you know, he, he's a human stuck in an elf's uh, uh, place or house, you know, and he's too big for it. I mean, his potential, he can't sleep, he can't really take a shower if you read the story. He can't keep up with the elf because he's a human. And basically, he can't reach his human potential in an elf world. And a lot of us this morning, we don't realize you have so much potential, but you're wasting it. You're lost. You're in the wrong place. You're, you're not in the place where you need to be. You're not in tune with God's plan because only God knows your potential. When you find out who your creator is, the one that made you, then you'll find out what your potential is. Can you say amen? Now, I want to just say to you, you're not worthless, but it's wasted. You're in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. You have potential, but you're lost. In fact, the Bible said this in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, no one had ever seen or heard or even imagined the wonderful things that God has prepared and arranged for those who loved him or, or who, who, who love him or who are connected to him. In other words, we can miss God's plan when we're not connected to him. You have no idea what God has for you. I have so many people that I see that God has so much in store for your life. You, no one has ever seen. You haven't even heard. You can't even imagine the thing that God has planned for you. You, you can't even imagine the great thing for those that love God because God has so many great things prepared for you. He sees the potential in your life. And so a lot of us this morning, when you're living on your own, you're not living plan A. You're living plan B. Some of you are living plan C. Some let's just say you're, you're in plan D. Some you're in a big F right now, and you need, you need to get back home. Because you're doing things your own way. You're lost. You're lost, and you don't even want. You're still valuable. You still have worth, but you're lost. You're not meeting your potential. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dream. He does it not by pushing us around, but by his power working within us. When you get connected, uh, friend, with God, uh, the potential in your life begins to reverberate. Can you say amen? And so you got to get plugged in with God. Uh, I, I forget the other day I was uh, uh, at home and I was making some coffee. I put the water in the coffee pot. Uh, I grind my own coffee, so I put the grinds in, and man, and, and I push the button, and I said, something's wrong with this coffee maker. What is wrong with this thing? I'm pushing it. I realize it's not plugged in. That's the problem. <laughs> when it's, it, the coffee maker has potential, but it's wasted when it's not plugged in. You have potential, but it's wasted when you're not plugged in with God. You have more potential than you can ever imagine. The fourth thing is when you're lost, you're going to lose your joy. The Bible says uh, uh, when these people were disconnected, when this lost son was dis disconnected from God, he lost his joy. Remember, he left his father's house. He took his inheritance. He went out and, and just uh, wasted it. But in the end, he wasn't happier, any happier than when he left. Because the Bible says this in Luke 15, verse 14. It says, the younger son wasted all that he, that, that he had been given and eventually became more miserable and lonely. See, people think, man, I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to be more happy. I'm going to know you're going to be more miserable than you've ever been. Yeah. 
Because you're on your own. You're, you're out of the Father's house. You're out of God's connection. Nothing destroys joy faster than when, you're, when you have conflict in relationship. I've talked to some very wealthy people. And I can tell you, they got everything. And I, and I said, well, what's the problem? They said, you know what? I'm disconnected from my family. There's a, a my, me and my dad, man, there's a rift between me. And my, there's a rift between me and my brother. There's a rift between me and my mom. Man, I got all these things, but you know what? I don't have peace because there, there's a problem and there's a conflict in my relationship with people. And it's, it's always going to be that way. It, you're, it's going to rob you of joy when you're out of alignment, when you're out of whack. Can I just say that? It creates disharmony. It creates tension. It creates separation. This is why you have to be in alignment with God. And a lot of people are distant from God. And they're wondering, man, I've got all these things, but I don't have the joy. I don't have the peace. Because, friend, your relationship with God is out of alignment. You'll never have complete peace. You'll have things that will kind of fill it for temporary things. You know, we'll fill it. Alcohol can fill it for a while. You say, well, I'm drowning my sorrows in alcohol. No, your sorrows know how to swim. They're coming right up. They're backstroking in your I said, man, my sorrows were gone just for the night. Yeah, they're back next morning. Go, yeah, hi there. We're we're back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were gone for a little bit, but we're back. Gotcha. You know, they'll come back. Gotcha. And so you'll find that you'll have uh, you won't have complete joy without God's connection. The fifth thing I'm going to be honest with you today is uh, when you're lost, you're going to lose home, and you're going to lose heaven. See, I want you to realize today that heaven will not have any rebellion in it. This is why Satan was cast out of heaven. Heaven won't have any rebellion. You can be rebellious on this earth, and the prayer is that you'll turn back to God. But God won't have any rebellion in heaven. This is why living this earth right here is preparation for the next life. See, if you're just living for this earth, man, it's a trash can compared to heaven. You're you're settling for second best. This world, man, it's just a test run for the next life. It's really preparing you for eternity. Think about it. The average person will live 70 years old, maybe, maybe 80 if you're lucky. There's a lot of people die younger than die a lot younger than that. And so you think about your life, it's not that long, but you know eternity is forever. So I'm not living my life for this life. I mean, thank God I, I'm gonna do the best I can, but I, I'm looking toward eternity. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Where I am, you're going to be there also. And this is why Jesus is saying, prepare your life for the next life. In fact, Jesus said this in Luke 9, 25. It says, what good is it for a man to gain this whole world? You can gain everything, but you lose your own soul. If I'm disconnected from God, I lose my soul. There are eternal consequences to that. I lose home. I lose heaven as my home. So the story of the lost coin, the lost sheep, uh, again, the lost son, they represent three ways all of us get lost. Okay, the sheep by nature kind of goes its way. Our, Our coin is lost by circumstances, and we get lost by choices. You got to make better choices today. Today, you have a choice before you leave this room today. Choose God or stay lost. See, I, I made up my mind a long time ago, I, I'm going to choose God. I, I don't want to lose my soul to circumstances. I don't want to lose my soul to this wandering nature because we just naturally 
wander. And I don't want to lose my soul because I made dumb choices. There's a lot of people making dumb choices, and they're wondering, man, why am, why am I in this predicament? Because you made dumb choices, but guess what? You can make the right choice today. When I think about the children of Israel, the people of God, the, the Israelites, they made a lot of dumb choices because they were exposed to too much. See, I believe today in our society, we're exposed to too much. This is why it keeps us disconnected from God. Let me just give you an example. The Bible says that, uh, in the Old Testament, that there were judges that helped uh, lead the people of God. There were different judges that, that helped. They, 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 were, they were men and women that were appointed to lead the people of God. Gideon was the judge, a number of people. Samuel the prophet was the judge. And in fact, the Bible said that the people of God told Samuel, you know what? We need a king. You're older now, and we need a king. And, and, and Samuel said, no. You don't want a king. They go, yes, we want a king. We want a king like other nations. We want to be like the other nations. They have a king over them. We want a king over us. And Samuel told them, a king is going to tax you. A king is going to make you a slave. A king is going to demand of you. You don't want a king. They said, no, we want a king. And so the Bible says, because what happens is when we become exposed, when we get exposure to something that is not good, What happens, too much exposure awakens an appetite for things that we think we want, but we really don't need. And we keep asking and asking. That's why the internet, people, you get exposed to so much you think you you want, but you really don't need. And so God tells them, you know what? If that's what you want, if you want a king, I'll give you a king. If you, I'll give you what you want. If you keep asking for something, guess what? You're going to get what you ask for. But I've learned this. When God can't teach us through instruction, he has to teach us through experience. You ever heard this? People have to learn the hard way. Why? Because we won't listen to instruction, so you have to experience, don't you? I learned, man, very young. Watching my brothers get in trouble, I said, I ain't doing that. I grew up with seven brothers. I grew up in the neighborhood. After a while, I started saying, they keep doing this, and they keep going. I'm not going there. I'm not going to go through the experience. I'm going to listen to the instruction. A lot of my brothers would say, don't do this. I go, I ain't doing it. You don't have to tell me twice. I see what you did, fool. I'm not doing that. <laughs> hey, don't do this. Don't, I ain't doing that. Don't hang around with these people. I ain't hanging around with those people. They got you in trouble. But what happens is, is that what... God will allow us to learn things through experience, what, we, what he would have preferred us to learn through instruction. Even as a pastor, as I minister here, I'm giving people instruction, but some people will leave this room and you have to experience it, don't you? When you heard the pastor give you instruction, out of the word of God, says, don't do this, don't go here, don't do that, and, and they'll come back later and say, Pastor, I did everything you said not to do. And I had to go through all this pain and all this hell. I said, well, God will help you. All we can do is pray. Amen. We'll believe God for you. Here's the good news is you don't lose your value. Here's the good news. You don't lose your value. Come on. Come give God a big praise. <laughs> Listen to me. Does the lost sheep lose its value because it's lost? No. Does the coin lose its value because it's lost? No. Does the young man lose its value Because he got lost. No. 
You take your kid to the, uh, to the mall and he gets lost. You say, well, I got three other kids. I just lost one. You don't do that. Right? <laughs> Hope you don't do that. But in fact, listen to me. Especially when it comes to items, it actually increases in value once something was lost for a while and then it's found. Am I right? Where you get in antiques. This is where you get things that, man, you could, there could be a lost masterpiece uh, and, and left in somebody's attic somewhere, a painting, a, a violin. All of a sudden, you know, 100 years later, somebody finds it and it didn't lose its value. In fact, it increased in its value. It lost its potential because it was wasted, but now it's been found. And so God is saying to you and I, you're worth finding. You've got more value than you think. Are you listening to me? I have a number of basketballs at home. In fact, a lot of them are, I threw them away because they got old. My kids and I, we would play basketball all the time. And, and uh, you know, we, we'd buy basketballs and, and some get old, some get ripped. Uh, you know how kids are, some they lose, whatever it was. And so it wasn't a problem. But I got this one basketball that I told them, you guys can't touch and play with that basketball. They said, why not? They said, you can't, don't touch that basketball. And don't even play with that basketball. I don't even want you bouncing that basketball. In fact, don't even get near the basketball. Just stay away from that basketball. What's the problem with this basketball? Well, the issue with the basketball is someone gave me this basketball. And it's signed by one of the great three-point shooters of the Lakers. Derek Fisher signed it, number 21. Don't mess with that basketball. It's valuable. Are you listening to me? Because of who signed it. Can I tell you? God has put his signature on you. You are valuable to God. More valuable than you realize. Some of you don't know your value. You don't know how valuable you are to God. You are so valuable today. I had, I had some cash up here earlier. I don't know if anybody got any cash on you at all. I, don't, I told my wife to give me, give me some cash, and, I've, and I don't know what happened to it. I said, honey, give me the cash. I, I had some cash earlier. Okay, here we go. What is this? This is $20. Look at that. All right. It's even better because I'm going to give it away in a minute. <laughs> so I have $20 here, and, and uh, thank you. I have $20 here. How much is this worth? $20. That's right. There's not, there's not an antique. It's, just a, it's a good one, too, right, brother? Yeah, $20. So if I took this $20 and I crumbled it like this, how many would still want this $20? All right. We've got some people who still want it. How about if I just got it and threw it on the floor, stepped on it? How many still want this $20? How about if I spit on it? I'm not going to spit on it, but if I did, would you still want it? It hasn't lost its value, right? Because it's crumbled, right? There you go. All right, there's $20. Try to give it to Paul, but it's okay. What I want to say to you is, no matter how much I smash it, no matter how much I spit on it, it's still worth $20. No matter how much the world has spit on you, no matter what people have told you, no matter what people's opinion has been said about you, you're still valuable to God. 
You carry value. God cares about your life. I don't care what the world has said. I don't care what people have said about you. I don't care what people's opinion has been given about you. What your teacher said you couldn't do. What your boss said you couldn't do. You're valuable to God. There's some of you today, people have kicked you on the ground. People have said you're no good. Said all kinds of things. But God says, I value you. God values each and every one of you today. I want us to bow our heads today. Holy Spirit. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.